Have you ever just wanted someone to walk alongside you as you do the thing? The thing that makes your heart come alive and leaves our world just a little bit more like Jesus than we found it. I'm a girl wildly passionate about cheering on my friends in the pursuit of making God known through their unique calling. So buckle up because I'll gather up my favorite seasoned and rising leaders in their fields to share inspirational stories, strategic advice, and hard-won wisdom. I'm your host, Rebecca Dotson-George, and welcome to the Do The Thing Movement Podcast. You are listening to episode 11 of the Do The Thing Movement podcast. The music in the background is the song Someday Dream by Emily Ann Roberts. If you have not listened to her episode yet, please go a few episodes back. It's one of our first ones and listen to her. She is just so fun. Today on the show, we have Leslie Ludy. Leslie is the founder of the Set Apart Girl Ministry. She is the author of many, 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 many books, including a few I read as a teen girl called Authentic Beauty and When God Writes Your Love Story. It felt kind of like coming full circle to be able to sit down and talk to somebody that I feel like mentored me from afar when I was young, and it was just so fun. I adore her, and we talk about all things being set apart in Christ and just what God has her and her family up to in their ministry, her conference, her online mentoring program, all kinds of fun stuff. So without further ado, please welcome Leslie Ludy. Okay, Leslie, I am so excited to have you on the podcast today. Could you start us off by just telling the audience a little bit about yourself and your ministry? Yes. Well, it's great to be here. Great to get to know you. Uh, my husband, Eric, and I have been married for 25 years now, and when we were first married, we began to really write and speak a lot on bringing Christ into the center of romance and relationships. Um, we're pretty well known for our book, When God Writes Your Love Story, which was um, written quite a long time ago now, um, but a lot of people kind of grew up with that book, and, and uh, that really led to just opportunities to speak into other areas of people's lives, so I know for me, um, several years after when God writes your love story came out, I had been receiving a lot of questions and emails from young women, just wanting to know how to really live out their Christian walk in such a time as this. And so I began writing books for women, young women, and, um, wrote quite a number of books and eventually began a ministry called set apart girl. So, uh, we have a magazine and we have lots of resources online and a podcast and written several books. It, it started out for young women, but it's kind of expanded into women of all ages now. And, um, so that's something that I do and I'm really passionate about just helping women bring Christ into the center of every area of their life. And, uh, Eric and I also lead a discipleship training school out here in Colorado called Ellerslie. So we do that several times a year. We have people from around the country and the world come for just a time of really going deeper with Christ and really understanding the spiritual tools that make the Christian life work. So that's our ministry life. And we also have six kids ranging in age from eight to 15 now, which makes me feel kind of old to say that <laughs> having, having a 15 year old who's old enough to read the books that we started writing all those years ago is a little bit crazy. Um, 
but four of our children are have been adopted. So we have two biological children and four uh, adopted children, and it's been quite the journey. It's been an amazing blessing. It's been an adventure. So our life is very full, um, but very blessed. So my passion points are probably mostly um, really helping women of all ages bring Christ into the center of their lives and let him shape every part of their existence. So that's really kind of the core message behind everything that I write and do and speak on. I love that. That's so awesome. So I want to go back to the kiddos for a second, if we could do that. Would you share a little bit about your experience and and heart for adoption and just the story of, of your sweet kiddos? Absolutely. I always love talking about the kids. I always feel like I'm cheating because it's what I love talking about the most. (laughs) Um, uh, Eric and I were married 10 years before our first child was born. So Hudson came along after 10 years. And part of that was just because we weren't having children right away just didn't happen right away. But part of it was also because I was a little bit terrified of starting a family and all that that would mean. And God finally just really softened my heart towards the idea and showed me that he would give me the grace for whatever he called me to. And so we had Hudson and then after Hudson, we had a miscarriage and it really um, gave us God's, it it sort of acquainted us with God's heart for um, lives that others don't really value. And this, this miscarried life was only six weeks along and the world's eyes wasn't a big deal, but we began to really, ask God to give us his heart for this lost child and grieve over this life that had been lost. And through that, God really gave us a passion for vulnerable children around the world. And so we started to look into adoption, not, not really thinking we would do it anytime soon, but just really wanting to know more about it. And, um, through a series of events, we found out about a little girl in Korea who was two months old and had very special, beautiful hands with no fingers and she needed a family. And we, in faith said yes, even though we didn't have the the money and didn't brought her into our life right around the time that our lost, the child we had lost would have been born. So it was a really neat Mm. story of redemption. And so that's Harper. She's now 13, but she came home when she was about six months old. And it was really just an incredibly miraculous and precious story. A couple of years after Harper came home, we met a young uh, 17 year old, um, girl in our church. She was unexpectedly pregnant. She was looking for a family um, to adopt her child. And God just wrote a beautiful story um, where we said yes again to an opportunity that came our way. And um, just a beautiful process. It's uh, an open adoption. So we were with her through the pregnancy and she's been a part of his life ever since he was born. And that's Kipling. He's now 11. And when we brought Kipling home from the hospital, that same week, we found out we were pregnant with um, our daughter. So we, she was born seven months later, and they kind of have grown up like twins because they're so close mm-hmm. in age. And then uh, uh, when Abby was about five, we, uh, we felt called to adopt again, but we didn't really know the details. And we found out about two uh, little babies in Haiti that needed a home. They weren't, they aren't biologically related, but just a boy and a girl that were very close in age. And we said yes to that. And that was a really challenging experience. It was a 29 month nightmare. (laughs) The whole process was a nightmare, but um, we saw God just redeem so many hard things about that. And they finally came home when they were almost three. So they are now both eight. So that was probably the most jarring change, even though at one point in time I had four children 
four and under. That was a really intense season. Um, but then when Reese and Lily came home from Haiti, going from four to six and getting two toddlers at once was another really intense transition. So I've really, um, I've, ha I've been forced to apply uh, at a very deep level, a lot of the principles that I've written and spoken on for so many years. It's like, okay, I can take these same principles and apply them to these new challenges in my life. So God has been faithful. It's been, it's been a beautiful and adventurous journey, and we're still in the middle of God writing the story of our family. Yeah, I love that. And I, I love hearing how God sort of redeemed that moment after your miscarriage I, and, and how he just redeems hard seasons. You know, I am, um, we talked before we hit record, I got married last May and um, moved eight hours away from everything I've ever known and became a pastor's wife and entered into a whole new community of people. And it's a beautiful season and there's a lot of joy in it, but it's also very hard, but it's, it's beautiful to even begin to see what God is doing through that, what he's teaching me about himself and, and even just what has came about. Like in this season, I, I've had the time to start a podcast and, you know, do other things and other areas of ministry that um, I wouldn't have even imagined years ago. And so I think you could say the same, that God has brought about just so much from, from those times. And so that's awesome. And, and such an encouragement too. I just had one of my best friends that um, lost a baby a couple of months ago and just an encouragement to hear your all's testimony kind of in the middle of that season. So that is just, that is just beautiful. I remember when I was younger hearing about your first two kiddos that you guys adopted when I was, gosh, probably in high school. And so it's crazy to think of how old they are now. So yeah. that is, that is so crazy. I was telling Leslie listeners before we hit record, I read one of her books called Authentic Beauty that she wrote to teenage girls back when I was in middle school. And um, it was one of my favorite kind of first Bible study books that I kind of went through and um, it was special to me. So it's, this whole conversation just feels like it's coming full circle. So that's really special. Mm -hmm. And we've talked a little bit about your site, you've mentioned it, Set Apart Girl. So could you talk to us about just more of your heart for that and then what you feel like it means to embody becoming and being a set apart girl for Christ? Well, I think there can be a lot of misconceptions on being set apart for Christ. It's not about just setting a standard for yourself and trying to rise up to it. Okay, I'm going to be, you know, dressed modestly and live in purity and conduct myself this way. And this is my checklist. That has nothing to do with the set apart life. It's all about a Christ-built life. And one of the most important lessons that I learned uh, when I was in high school, when I fully started to pursue Jesus Christ, not just sort of casually pursue him, but pursue him with all of my heart, he spoke something really clearly to me, not in an audible voice, but just a very clear sense in my soul. And it was this, don't try to fit me into your life, build your life around me. And I began to look at my life and say, wow, I've lived my Christian life trying to just fit Jesus in when it was convenient. You know, this is my life and my area and oh, I'll just fit you in over here and really kind of keep him at arm's length in certain areas of my life that I wanted control. And then I would kind of go to church and have my spiritual life over here. And he was saying, build your entire life around me, make me your highest priority, find your fulfillment in me. And really authentic beauty that that first book that I wrote for young women was kind of the testimony of what God walked me through in that season where I was learning what it meant to build my life around Christ and not just fit him in when it was convenient and, uh, 
really understand that nothing I could look to in this world, a relationship or the hope of getting married or a specific career or popularity or any kind of achievement could ever compare to the joy and the fulfillment that he could bring into my life when he was in his rightful place, when he was the Lord of my life. And I didn't just give him lip service, but I walked through every day an intimate relationship with him. And so I really just took that message of a Christ built life and carried it with me throughout as I got older, got married, uh, had children, got into ministry and just tried to apply that the best I could of like, okay, Lord, what does it mean to not just fit you in, in this season of my life, but build my life around you. And whenever I've really made him my highest priority and realized that he is my ultimate source of fulfillment and joy, no matter what else happens in my life, that's when my life works. And when I'm trying to look for it in other things, my life doesn't work. And so that's just the central message of what set apartness is. There are specific practical things that God challenges us and asks us to do in our lives, things that he asks us to come away from the way the world does something and live according to his pattern. But it's an outflow of a relationship with him. It should never be about a legalistic set of rules or, you know, I'm trying to rise up to the standard. It's all an outflow of our intimate relationship with him. As we desire to have him work his character within us, he begins to purify us and call us away from the patterns of the world and into his pattern. And so a lot of the things within the set apart ministry are just a practical application of what that looks like. What scriptures would you point women back to, you know, if they just need some encouragement and pursuing um, this set apart life, what would you say there? Yeah. Well, I love Song of Solomon 2.10. It says, my beloved spoke and said to me, rise up my love, my fair one, and come away. That idea of coming away from the world's pattern, coming away from the empty pursuits of the world. You know, so often we think about living set apart or living unto Christ as being like, well, I have to just cut out all these fun things in my life and live this somber, serious existence so I can be spiritual. But really, Jesus is is giving us this incredible invitation to say, I am calling you out of love, out of pursuit of you to, to rise up and come away from these things that are so empty and so unfulfilling and step into all that I have for you. And so it's that calling, he's calling to us to come away, to rise up and come away. And we are responding by saying, Lord, I'm coming away with you into something far more beautiful and far more fulfilling than all of these empty worldly pursuits over here. And really that's to, to look at it as such an incredible, beautiful invitation and opportunity. I, I also love Psalm 4.3, which says, know that the Lord has set apart for himself, him who is godly. And just that jealous guardianship that he has over those of us who have given our lives to him. He doesn't want, I mean, I've, I've heard people say, hey, you know, you should just sort of blend in with everybody else in our culture and watch all the same shows and listen to all the same music and do all the same activities. And that's how you can sort of be salt and light in this world. But the reality is the world doesn't need to see more Christians who are just kind of chasing after the same things and finding their fulfillment in the same things that everybody else does. They want to see someone who has something better to live for, something far more um, lasting. And when they see us coming away from those empty things and choosing to build our lives around Jesus Christ, our lives will look different to this world, not in a stodgy legalistic way, but in a really beautiful way. I often tell the story of, of a true story that I heard of two young women who were in a persecuted country and they were about 16, 17 years old. When they gave their lives to Christ, their families disowned them, kicked, turned them out of the streets or kicked them out, said, you're on your own. We don't, we don't even know you anymore. But because they were so passionate about Jesus Christ and 
what he had done for them. They just went from village to village, just sharing about him everywhere they went. And they were so radiant. They were so fulfilled, even though they had lost all of their worldly comforts, all of their security, they had so much joy in who Jesus was that people would come up to them on the street and say, what is it that you have? You're different. Your faces are glowing. You're radiant. And yet by the world standards, they, they were pretty bad off. They, they were just kind of trusting God for every meal. And yet because Jesus was their all in all, he was their love. They actually had something so beautiful that other people noticed. And that's always inspired me to say, if everything else were stripped away from me, would Jesus be enough? Would I have that radiance and that glow that just comes from being in his presence and being totally having all my needs met in him? And that's just a constant challenge. And there are times when I really feel that that is strong in my life and he is in his first place and I'm finding my fulfillment in him. And then there's times when I start to get distracted and I realize, wow, I veered away from that and he gently calls me back. So I love those two scriptures. Also in the book, Authentic Beauty, one of the scripture, one of the theme scriptures from that book is also from Song of Saul and like a lily among thorns, so is my darling among the maidens. And that's such a beautiful picture of set-apartness where that's how Christ sees us as he shapes us into his likeness. We become like a lily among thorns, not in a not in an arrogant way, sort of like we're better than everybody else, but there is a there is a heavenly beauty, there is a radiance, there is a, um, a Christ-likeness that begins to exude from our life and it can't be found any other way. So encouraging. And I know at the beginning of the interview, we talked a little bit about when God write your love story. And that was a book that you guys wrote a long, long time ago that you co-authored together. I think that was the first book about relationships or marriage that I ever really went through. Uh, but it is, it is so good. It was such an encouragement to me. Would you care to share with listeners about kind of your all's heart for the book and um, just sure. what you've seen God do through it? Yes. Yeah, so I think the book was written about 20 years ago, which is crazy for me to think about. But Eric and I never intended to write and speak on Christian relationships. Uh, we had made a lot of decisions, a, a lot of mistakes in our relational life before we met each other. Even though we grew up in the church and in Christian homes and kind of living according to a certain standard, it was always just sort of rules-based. It was not, it was trying not to cross this line, but the, the area of relationships was never fully surrendered to God and his pattern. It was sort of like how close to the edge of that line can I get before I'm in the wrong, before God gets mad at me and just trying to live for self and yet sort of maintain a Christian standard. And I think a lot of Christian young people go down that path. And when we both radically completely gave our lives to Jesus Christ separately, one of the areas that God really convicted us and began to, to reshape in our lives was the area of guy-girl relationships, how we were relating to the opposite sex. And I began to realize that, you know, if my future husband came into my life, he would not feel loved. He would not feel honored because I was constantly giving my heart to one guy after the next. My thought life wasn't pure. Um, I might have I might have a semblance of purity on the outside, you know, I had my absence pledge card and my promise ring, but it didn't mean I was really loving him, loving my future husband with the way that I was living or really honoring God in this area. So God challenged me to first and foremost, surrender my my romantic life to him and say, Lord, whatever you want to do, I'm not going to be the one in control anymore where I'm chasing after relationships and I'm trying to make this area of my life turn out the way I want it to. I'm going to leave the pen in your hands. Let you write the story from start to finish. That's the title. When God writes your love story, giving it over to him and letting him be in control. And I think a lot of times people don't 
want to entrust him with that pen because they either don't feel like he's interested or that he cares or will take the time to write their love story, uh, or they just think they can do a better job than God. I mean, we, we do that in so many areas of our lives. And I, it was a very hard area to surrender when I was about 17 was, was when I was walking through all of this and just to say, okay, Lord, I trust you. I trust that you have given me these desires for romance and marriage. I trust that you know what's best for my life even more than I do. And I trust that you actually care about this area of my life. And it was sort of a, it was a scary thing because most of my friends were just trying to write their own love stories and they were chasing after guys. And a lot of them were finding guys and getting married. And I thought, you know, is this a really bad decision to say, Lord, I'm just surrendering it to you. I'm waiting for your timing. Um, but God was ex incredibly faithful. One of the most important things I had to learn in that season was find my fulfillment in Christ and don't put my life on hold or, or assume that once I get married, you know, that's when real happiness starts. I have everything I need right now in Jesus Christ. And that lesson was so crucial. And I'm so glad that God didn't bring Eric into my life until I walked through a season of saying, Lord, I have everything I need in you, whether or not I ever get married on this earth. And uh, Eric walked through a very similar process. And so really the core messages of the book, first and foremost, surrender, letting God have this area of your life, letting him do what he wants to do, and knowing that he actually cares about this area of our lives. He cares more about it than we even do. He knows the desires of our heart. Um, he delights to give us good and perfect gifts when we trust him and wait for him. And secondly, faithfulness, being faithful to the one that he has for you. If his plan for you is married, marriage, uh, loving that person even before you know them with your thought life, with how you conduct yourself uh, with the opposite sex. So those are really the two core principles of the book. Um, and when Eric and I first had made all those decisions, it was never our intention to write a book about what God taught us in that area. But people just started to hear about our, they observed our relationship, they saw our wedding, they kind of knew the story, and they would constantly ask us, hey, will you come speak and share your love story. And finally we thought, let's just write it down. We'll just write it in a book and then give it to people. And it was a very casual offhanded decision, but that book, um, a publisher got a hold of it and said, this book, this message needs to get out there. You know, this generation needs to hear this. And so it, it got out there and it became a bestseller and it totally took us by surprise because we were, you know, it was just our lessons that God taught us in our relationship. And um, it was encouraging to us to see how much it resonated with um, other, other young people who are walking through a similar process, realizing, you know, we don't need to build relationships the way the world does. God has an incredibly beautiful pattern if we will surrender it to him. Yeah. So that's kind of the, it, it's still a book that's out there and people still, you know, email us and tell us how much it's impacting them. I, and I was telling you, I think before we started that I, we now have a 15 year old. So here we now have a, a son who is right at the same age that, you know, we were targeting when we first wrote that book. And he's already read the book himself. And um, it's, it's kind of a surreal, <laughs> surreal feeling, but we're really blessed that God has, has used it. Uh, you know, one thing that I would say is, it's so important that if you're approaching this area of your life, and you say, okay, Lord, I want you to take control of this area of my life, whether you're single, whether you're um, in your teen years, or um, whatever his calling is for you, that it's not a, it's not a legalistic formula. God is so, God is a God of beauty and romance and creativity. There are just core principles that apply to every area of our lives that can also, should also apply to relationships. Like, Lord, you're in control. I surrender it to you. I want to love selflessly and not selfishly. And really the premise of when God writes your love story is based on some of those core principles that can be applied at whatever season of life you're in and really to other areas of life as well, which I think is why the book has been around so long. 
Absolutely. I love that. And so our college and career class at our church right now is talking about singleness, dating, marriage. And um, the teacher of that class kind of brought me in to just share my perspective because I, I got married recently and our youth pastor is still single. So we're trying to get kind of multiple perspectives. And last week was my week. And one of the questions, I just kind of let them ask me questions at the end. And one of the things they said was, you know, how do I wrap my mind around God being a good God in a season where I feel like I'm missing out and everybody else, you know, is kind of having their turn, if you will. All their friends are getting married, right? And uh, which I so empathize with. I was in nine weddings before I got married myself. I was almost 28 when we got married last year. And um, so I so get it. And one of the verses that, and I, f- I forget the exact reference of it, but the where it talks about how every good and perfect gift comes from above. One of my mentors, and I always, she would always come back to this and she would say, you know, Rebecca, if, if it was good and perfect, for you to be married right now. I think the Lord God creator of the universe and the seas and the skies and everything that we know is more than capable, you know? And, and so just focusing on, you know, what is it that, how does he want to more closely grow you into his likeness in this season that will prepare you potentially for the next. And so um, anyway, listeners who have not maybe picked up that book yet, it is, it's a good one. One of my favorites. So so back to set apart stuff. You have a set apart conference now, I think in June of this year. Um, and so I'd love for you to share with listeners a little bit about the event, what they can expect and, and maybe how to sign up if they'd like to join. Yeah, definitely. So our website is setapartgirl.com and we started that website years ago when we were more targeting young women, but now it really has expanded to women of every age. And we've had the Set Apart Conference for, this will be our 11th conference actually. So it's been going for quite a long time. We do it every year, usually in the spring. This year's conference is June 6th and 7th. And uh, it's really a beautiful weekend. You can either come to Colorado. We have it at our Ellerslie campus, which is at the foot of the Rocky Mountains. It's a beautiful setting. It's very peaceful, very set apart. Uh, or you can stream a simulcast of the event. So if you register at setapartgirl.com for a simulcast, you can either stream it live or anytime throughout 2020. So you can pick a date that works well for you. And a lot of people with the simulcast have actually hosted groups in their home or in their church and streamed the conference and kind of hosted their own event, which is just a great way to share the set apart message and share that message of building a Christ centered life with the women in your life. And I, every year I'm always amazed because we have such a, such a wide variety of ages and situations and backgrounds that come together for this event. Um, Last year, I remember um, in Colorado looking down at the front row and I saw a girl who was probably about 11 years old, uh, just taking notes and just really paying, you know, just really gleaning from the sessions. And she was sitting right next to a 35 year old woman who was a a single doctor from New York. And they were both just like learning and taking notes and they met each other. And it was really beautiful to see God bring, you know, two people in very different ages and situations. And yet they were rallying together over a mutual passion for Jesus Christ. And that's really what bonded them. And that's why they were both gleaning so much. Uh, the, The messages are always very scripturally based. And so they really can apply to any season of life. You don't have to be in a certain age demographic to apply the truth of scripture to your life. And this year's theme is on sacred living. So it's all about 
walking through every day in an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, not kind of keeping him at arm's length over here, but inviting him into the center of every area of our lives. How do we honor him in every area of our life? And how do we grow in intimacy with him more and more and more, even in busy seasons? And I think that's something a lot of women struggle with, whether you're um, in ministry or in school or working or raising kids, it's just easy to say, well, I'm just going to put my relationship with him on the back burner. I'm just going to coast during the season because I'm too busy to, to really grow spiritually. And yet, Usually in our busiest times is when we need intimacy with Christ the most because he's the one who gives us the grace and the strength and the patience and everything that we need to live out our calling. But so often it can be easy to just just let the cares of this life pull us away from him. And I think, too, with, with social media and all the noise of our culture, it's just easy to let noise drown out that still small voice. And so this year we're going to really be focusing on building a vibrant, intimate walk with Jesus Christ and how to build a truth-based lifestyle, how to make decisions based on the truth of the word of God and not just emotion and how to really walk through every day abiding in his presence. So I'm really excited about this year's theme. So if you want to know more about it, you can go to setapartgirl.com, but it's happening in June or the simulcast is something you can do all throughout the year. Awesome. That is so cool. I will have to tell our women's director about this because we were actually just talking last night about trying to find a simulcast conference at some point um, in the year for our yes. ladies. So we'll have to check it out. So, um, and you've, you've also started an online mentorship program, which I would love to hear more about. Could you talk about your heart behind this and just how you've seen God work in it so far? Definitely. I, I've had a lot of women come to me over the years and ask me to mentor them. And with six kids and full-time ministry and all of the demands, it's been not very practical to have individual mentoring times with everyone that has asked me. But I realized, you know, the, the mentors that have most impacted me are women who usually are no longer living, but have written about what God has done in their life or spoken about what God has done in their life. Women like Amy Carmichael and Corey Ten Boom and Elizabeth Elliott. And, you know, I kind of have my short list of, I would consider those women my mentors, even though I've never personally met them uh, because of the legacy that they left and all of the amazing truth that they communicated through their books, through their messages. And so it kind of gave me the vision to say, can I take the things that God has, has shown me and taught me over the past 25 years and impart that to women who are, who are looking for that encouragement, looking for sort of that voice of truth, just to kind of point them back to Jesus Christ along the way. And so that was my, my heart for it. And so it's basically an online membership that you can go to. And I think I have about 175 hours of teaching videos on the men, on the mentoring site and they're all in different studies. So you can study, um, you can do a study on social media and there's like videos that go with it on a whole biblical study guide on how do we honor God in our conduct on social media. And there's one on overcoming fear. So if fear is something you struggle with, I go through a whole video series on how God led me to overcome a bondage of fear in my life and the biblical principles that can help you overcome fear in your life. So a lot of practical areas are covered and um, we're continually adding new material and new courses. I have one coming out in the next few weeks on motherhood, bringing Christ into the center of motherhood and marriage. So I'm really excited about that. But also in addition to the teaching sessions, you can, there's a forum on there so you can ask me questions and I'm usually on there every couple days responding to the questions. And um, it's kind of an online community of like-minded women who, again, don't just want to fit Christ into their life, but want to build their lives around him. It's not um, light and fluffy, feel-good messages necessarily, but it's very life-giving because it's very much all about 
let's let's build our lives around Jesus Christ. And he brings joy, he brings peace, he brings freedom. And so I'm very excited about it. It's been a real blessing to connect. Uh, it, it allowed me personally to connect with women from all over the world who have that heart for living a set-apart life and living a Christ-centered life. So I've, I've been very blessed uh, by that online community. There's also uh, the option to get the Set-Apart Girl magazine as part of the membership. So a ma we have a magazine that comes out a couple times a year, and it is just a beautiful resource that is just full of um, articles, not just by me, but by other women who are truly set apart of practical areas of, of what it means to live out a set apart life. So it's very, it's, it's just a very encouraging, life-giving resource that can be part of the membership too. That's great. I love that. So I know we've talked a little bit about the site and how listeners can get a hold of the resources and everything that you have there. As far as social media, back to that, um, if there's a handle or anything that maybe listeners can go follow to kind of keep in touch with you guys. Could you share any of that that you'd want listeners to know? Sure. So we have on Instagram, it's just set apart girl um, on Instagram. You can find it that way. And we have a lot of uh, just encouraging messages that kind of can boost you throughout your day with truth. And then on Facebook, it's set apart girl ministries. So uh, we are constantly posting things on there, just little videos or little, um, little quotes of encouragement that can just kind of, remind you um, where to go for fulfillment and what God's heart is for you. And so that's been a blessing as well to just connect with, with women on those social media platforms. So set apart girl on Instagram, set apart girl ministries on Facebook, and then set apart girl.com. Um, and through set apart girl.com, you can find out about the mentoring site. And if you join that, then there's a forum. So you can actually ask me questions through the forum as well. So there's lots of ways to find us, um, but we'd love to hear from you. And then the last question I ask every guest so one of my favorites is what is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? That is such a good question. I, I know when you, uh, sh when you sent me these questions, I was like, wow, that is such a good question. I need to, uh, I need to ask people that more often. I, I immediately thought of the homeschool mom of six that seemed so busy and had such a full life. Uh, but she said to me, I'm too busy not to pray. And it was such a perspective shift for me because when I heard those words, I was in a really challenging, busy time of my life. And I kind of slipped into the mindset that, you know, I'll get back to my relationship with Christ once this all calms down. And once I'm done with this, and she said, you know, I'm in the midst of it, but I'm too busy not to spend time in his presence. I'm too busy not to pray. And it really reminded me of the story of Mary and Martha in scripture where, you know, Martha has this sense of like, I need to get this done and do this and do that. And Mary had the sense that I, I may be called to serve, but the strength that I need is going to come at the feet of Jesus. So before I turn my attention to serving or doing, I need to be in his presence. I need to hear his word. I need to sit at his feet. And as I have applied that principle in different seasons of my life, even when, when I had four children, four and under, I had three in diapers at once. And it was the season that you would say, okay, there's no way you can cultivate a relationship with Christ right now. But I said, okay, Lord, I feel like I can't even handle all the challenges in my life. But if I take that principle to heart, I'm too busy not to spend time with you. I know that you'll give me what I need to, to walk through this season with triumph. And that's exactly what happened. I, I didn't necessarily have the ability to spend three hours a day in prayer, but I did have the ability to say no to other things so that I could say yes to time in his presence, even if it was 20 minutes here or 30 minutes there or 15 minutes here, I began to learn how to pray throughout the day as I was driving or as I was getting ready or as 
as I was going about my tasks, I began to learn how to listen to, I started listening to audio scripture in the background when I was driving or doing tasks around the house. And that really kept me in his presence. But I found that that is really the difference between a life that, that works and a heart that is at, at peace or a life that isn't working and a heart that is not at peace is, am I, am I making my time with Christ the high priority even when it seems impossible? Am I having that mindset, I'm too busy not to pray? Because we often can fall into the mindset, I'm too busy to pray. But do we often realize that in those seasons, we need to be saying, I'm actually too busy not to, because if we spend time with him, we'll have what we need for everything else. And that I would say is probably the best piece of advice, the most practical and spiritually enriching piece of advice that I've ever heard. That is so challenging. I think that's so good. And, and I think, one thing that has really challenged me kind of in the same vein that someone told me once was, you know, replacing, you know, ah, this is a busy week. I don't think I have time for that. And saying that's, that's maybe not a priority right now. Um, And if I'm asking myself, or if I have to say to someone that they're not a priority or this task isn't a priority, but I'm, I'm able to choose Christ over that, or I'm able to choose chasing after, you know, something he's called me to do. Um, and that is my better yes in that no, um, then it's almost a more convicting way of saying it, you know, is, you know, is this a priority right now for me or not? And, mm-hmm. and I, I think in the world that we live in and the challenges that we have with just um, glorifying busyness as we tend to do, um, that's, that's just a great challenge to me today mm-hmm. as well, just to, just to think about it through that lens of, and every season, I'm, I'm probably going to be too busy not to not pray and, and spend time in his word. And um, so thank you for sharing that. That's, that's an awesome piece of advice. Leslie, I am just so thankful to have you on the show today. This has been so much fun. I've so enjoyed getting to know you and um, thank you for being my guest. Thank you so much. It's great to meet you. Thanks so much for listening to the show. If you need anything from me at all, I'm super easy to find Rebecca Dotson George on Instagram and Facebook. I'd love to connect with you and hear how the show is encouraging you. And hey, let's help make it possible for even more listeners to be encouraged by hearing stories of my people doing the thing. There's a couple ways you can do that. One, by subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. And two, screenshot the show and share it on your Instagram stories. Oh, and make sure you tag me there so we can connect as well. All right. I can't wait to talk to you again soon. And thanks so much for listening to the Do The Thing Movement Podcast.